Welcome to the Clear Admit MBA Admissions Podcast. I'm Graham Richmond, and this is your Wiretaps for Monday, October 10th, 2022. I'm joined by Alex Brown from Cornwall, England. Alex, how are things going this week? Very good. Thank you, Graham. So it's just been a really busy time, but I wondered if, you know, before we get into everything that happened last week, um, if you could talk a little bit about, is there anything that should be on people's calendars for this week? Yeah, I mean, this week we still got round one application deadlines. As I've mentioned in, in prior podcasts, we're starting to get into that next tier of programs that, are re- that, that have their application deadlines. So this upcoming week. Um, it's that sort of top 20 mm-hmm. band. So you've got Keenan Flagler, McCombs and Marshall um, who, who have their round one deadlines. ISA in, in, in Europe too. And actually London Business School is um, has its interview invites coming out um, this week. Um, so, oh, wow. so that should be exciting. I mean, obviously last yeah. week, very exciting <laughs> with Harvard, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and are there, is there any, when is MIT's deadline or did that actually? No, no, they were last week. Yeah. Yeah. They were last week. Yeah. Okay. So so as we know, perennially, they're typically at the end of the, the last of the M7, um, to, to, to have their deadline. So there's like a a lot of news things I want to talk about this week. And obviously we have three candidates that you picked out that we're going to profile, before I do that, I know we're into interview season, so I just wanted to remind everyone that you know Clearmint has this archive on our website. It's the largest archive on the internet of interview reports from people who have interviewed at top MBA programs. There are thousands of reports in this archive, and and so it's literally and it's free. You know, just go to our website. You can sort by school, and if you've got an interview at say Harvard, who issued invites last week, you can read the accounts of what it was like to interview at Harvard from, you know, lots and lots of, of candidates who've gone down this path. We also have tried to queue up um, some key content like our, you know, common questions, hardest questions. There's lots of good content on our website. And, and we have interview guides as well that we sell. Those are paid products, but there's an interview guide for almost every top school that you can buy. I would say if you're thinking about that, you might as well sign up for Clear Admit Plus. Um, because ClearAdmit Plus, if you do the annual subscription, you get access to all the interview guides for free. You can use our data dashboard to kind of benchmark yourself. And you can also watch the videos, Alex, that you and I recorded. I think we did five videos alone about interviewing. Yeah. Um, so, so there's like a lot of content that could help you to get ready for your interviews. And so I encourage everyone to do that. You can just go to bit.ly forward slash ClearAdmit Plus to sign up. But Alex, I also want to give you a shout out. I mean, that interview archive was your kind of idea way back when, right? I mean, that, that's my recollection of it, at least. That's my recollection, too. And it was quite a long time ago. Yeah. 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 So it's just so cool to see how that's grown over yeah. the years. And yeah, such a cool archive of, of reports. Uh, other than that, you know, you mentioned Harvard issued interview invites last week. And I know we're sort of still in the early days post those interview invites coming out, but I did a little um, noodling on the numbers and it seems like, you know, I'm guessing application volume might be down again a bit this year based on the amount of live wire entries received. And, you know, do you want to talk about that? Because we looked at like sure. number of invites versus rejections. Yeah, I mean, obviously live wire is a small sample set, so let's not get too carried away. Right. But nevertheless, we get quite a few data points on live wire and we do appreciate the community using live wire. It's absolutely fantastic. So if you do a search on live wire, for example, interview invites um, within the first 24 hours. We, we, as we're recording this, it's not even 24 hours, right? But so that, that sort yeah. of first day, you got, 
I think it was about 30, 31 interview invites for Harvard, yeah. uh, which was the same as the number last year, which is a little bit coincidental, but would you know, it makes sense that the number of interview invites are at par because Harvard's going to be admitting folks to to a class size that they want to bring in right so yeah. so what we should see year on year is a consistent number of invites just as much as we should see a consistent number of admits for programs and so forth sure but what we've also seen this year is a drop a small drop in the number of um, those that weren't invited to interview um and that, to me, is a potential signal that actually the app volume might have shrunk a little bit. So they're inviting the same number of people, but they're not inviting a smaller number of people. But again, we're a small sample size, so I might be completely blowing smoke up your whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's possible. Yeah, but it is interesting just to look at yeah. this stuff over time. Uh, yeah, so Harvard, you know, invites came out. And, and I, again, one thing I want to stress for people is that if you don't get an interview at Harvard, it doesn't necessarily mean that your chances at a top school are, are um, to be forgotten because it really, Harvard takes a very steep cut when they do those invites. So hang in, everyone. I mean, it's it's still, m many schools will interview like 40% of the applicant pool and then do a steeper cut after. Harvard does it the opposite. So they'll only interview maybe 20, 25% yeah. and then actually take a higher percentage. And we see this season on season. Someone yeah. doesn't get an interview invite at Harvard, but gets admitted to Stanford. And there are good reasons for this, right? Someone sure. is, someone's sort of profile and their goals are going to be more attractive to Stanford versus Harvard, Harvard and vice versa. Sure. Um, so, so, so there are good reasons for this. Lots of people say, well, it's a bit of a black box and it's, a, it's quite random. Well, actually, I'm not so much of the advocate of that idea that it's random. I think there are real good reasons why someone doesn't get an invite at one school but gets admitted to another school, even though those two programs are in the same tier. Yeah. So, yeah, so it just all is not lost if you didn't get an interview at Harvard. Yeah. Just stay, stay in the game here. <laughs> but those that got an invite, brilliant. Yeah, great Kick work. Kick on. Yeah, Absolutely exactly. fantastic. Um, Celebrate. So speaking of Harvard, you know, just when we recorded last week's episode, we talked about how Kirsten Moss, the director of admissions at Stanford, had um, announced her that she was leaving um, at the end of the year, um, not the end of the admission season, but the end of the calendar year here um, to pursue other stuff. And we learned, like literally right after we record, recorded, we learned that um, Chad Losey at Harvard is leaving his role. He's actually going to work um, over at Yale in a sort of strategic role and not for the university, not not within the business school there. So he's moving on, also leaving at the end of the year. And that got me thinking, and we put up an article on the site. I mean, we've seen the directors of admissions at Columbia, NYU, Tapper, Harvard, Stanford, all um, move on. And in fact, a year ago or so, the director of admissions at Kellogg left as well. Um, we've got somebody like Pete Johnson over at Berkeley who had been admissions director and then was kind of program director. He's moved on recently. So there's been this kind of mass exodus of some really great veteran talent. Um, and also I, I failed to mention Diana Economy and Sujin, um, over at Ross, um, so yeah, just a lot of movement. I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. Yeah, I mean, it is a lot of movement and a lot of names that, that, that you mentioned. You know, I know these folks over the years yeah. and so forth. Absolutely fantastic. Um, I'm just shocked at the timing mm. of Chad and, and Kirsten's decision to, to leave. It's just almost extraordinary to me that leaders 
are leaving mid-season. Yeah, so, it is I mean, I'll leave it at that. I don't know. I mean, I'm hoping that these aren't to do with health and family issues. Um, and certainly it looks like Chad's stepping into a, 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 another role yeah. um, that's already predetermined. But when I was working at Wharton, and you left in the summer. Yeah. That's it. So, so yeah, I, I, w- I was pretty shocked at the timing, quite frankly. Yeah, it is interesting. Um, we'll see how it all pans out you know but, yeah but wish them all the best of luck yeah absolutely fantastic yeah, yeah. they're gonna be yeah. missed <laughs> um yeah. other news is that there was a new ranking or not a new but the the second time i guess that fortune uh the magazine has done a ranking of business schools i don't want to spend too much time on this alex but i'll just read to you the you know the sort of top um group here and it's it's hbs was number one then chicago then kellogg wharton stanford columbia nyu duke mit UVA, Tuck, Yale, Berkeley, Cornell, UCLA, and then UT Austin. I think that's the top 16 that I just read off. So yeah, any any thoughts on this one? I mean, I, I don't know. I, I did tell you before we came on air, the methodology for this one is very much focused around career outcomes. I mean, it's literally like 65% of the ranking is based on salary and percentage of the class that's employed within three months. And then another 25%, so basically the whole rest of it practically, is based on the brand. And they just sort of survey recruiters and business professionals to see how familiar they are with these brands. And then they give like 10% to the um, whether or not the school has people in the C-suite at Fortune 1000 companies. So that's how they arrive at their ranking. Uh, any thoughts on it? <laughs> is this a new ranking, Graham? I think it's I... the second time that they've done okay. it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I wish they wouldn't. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, everyone does <laughs> it. Mean, yeah. Did they get the top 15 right? Yes, they did. Ross didn't participate. Otherwise, I would have asked if they got the top 16 right. So yeah. so on the one hand, you've got a few few top schools that just didn't participate, um, which is a problem. Um, but it's just more noise in the marketplace, quite frankly. Um, you know, some of their order is, is decent within that top 15, but some of it doesn't make that much sense to me personally. Um, it's all, like you say, outcomes-based. Um, so, so some, some really like that, but, but at the end of the day, we've got enough rankings that don't do quite a good enough job that we don't really need another one. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Um, yeah, I mean, I, again, I think directionally, like you look at the schools that are on the list, sure that, you know, like you said, t- the top 15 are kind of the top 15, but, yeah. um, yeah, there were some notable omissions like Emory and, and Michigan and, uh, Tapper didn't take part yeah. for one reason or another. So anyway, yeah. probably enough said there, but it's, yeah, I don't think we, it's not a needed rank. Like we already have, you know, U.S. News, the FT, business. I mean, there, there are plenty of rankings. So I don't know. I guess it sells yeah. magazines. So <laughs> yeah. uh, over on the website, we've done a bunch of real humans recently. Uh, we did Emory, Esade in Spain, uh, London Business School, and Rochester, the Simon School. Um, so there's a whole bunch of class, kind of, sorry, student profiles. You can read those stories if you're applying to those programs. Super helpful um, to learn about the school. Uh, we also published three class profiles, uh, Darden, Booth and Stanford. I'm just going to zip through some stats on these um, just so that for people keeping score at home, they can see where things are at. Um, So we'll start with Darden. Um, Darden has 349 students in the class this year. It's only a couple students smaller than the year prior. The average GPA was a 3.51. That's literally, I mean, it it was 3.52 last year, so pretty much identical. The GMAT score went up to 720 from 715. Uh, the GRE went down a little bit to 319. Uh, previously, it had been 321. They've got 37% women in the class, which is a little bit down off of 40% from the prior year. 
and they have a little bit more international. So they're at 43% international versus 40% last year. Uh, about 20% of their U.S. Um, candidates are underrepresented minorities, and uh, they did not share application volume. So any thoughts on Darden, Alex? Their app volume went down. Yeah, it must have, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, everyone's did. I mean, yeah. <laughs> just, just looking at the data, I mean, uh, more international um, students. And oftentimes when you see more international students, you do see less women in the class profile simply because the the gender um, balance for international students is more skewed to male than female yeah. um, oftentimes. So that, that makes sense too. I just don't really understand this 319 GRE to 720 GMAT yeah. because that's not, they're, they're not equivalent. Yeah, so, although they're not the only um, ones doing that. <laughs> no, 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 for sure, yeah. um, but, but yeah. they're not equivalent. Yeah, yeah. and then yeah. you've got, um, so then Chicago Booth, uh, again, 621 students in the class versus 620. So they're keeping the class size the same. Uh, the GPA held at 3.6. The GMAT is a 7.29. That's actually off a few points. It was 7.32 last year. The GRE, however, is up a couple of ticks to 3.27. It was 3.25 last year. And actually 26% of the Booth student body took the GRE, and that used to be 18%. So that number continues to grow, GRE continuing to kind of chip away at the GMAT market share. They've got 40% women this year. That was actually a little bit higher last year at 42%. Uh, the international number, though, is a bit lower, For uh, interestingly enough. So they have 37% international. It was 39 the year prior. Um, they have about, I think it's about, again, 20% uh, U.S. minorities um, or underrepresented minorities, I should say, uh, with respect to the U.S. population of their student body. And their application volume was down 14%. So they had 4,352 applications. Whereas last year they had had 5,037. So yeah, down 14%. Any thoughts on Booth? Yeah, I mean, that's what we've basically said. 15% is about right for app volume down across all top schools. Yeah. So Booth is at 14%. I like the split with the, G the GMAT GRE makes a lot more sense yes. to me. 729 versus 327. Yeah. Um, and as you said, and we talked about this a little bit before um, coming, come, coming on air, um, a higher proportion taking the GRE, you stated that Booth was one of the, the last top schools to, to really um, move over to the GRE as, a, as, as one of the options for a test. GMAT must be really suffering, Graham, because obviously GMAT test taking is a huge revenue stream for them. Yeah. We also know that their, their events business um, is, is getting cannibalized by online events and so on and so forth. So yeah, this is not particularly good for our industry, um, yeah. body or whatever. Yeah, I agree. And I'm, I'm a big fan of GMAC, so I, I don't yeah, like to me see too. that, you know, yeah. so it's, but G yeah, definitely. G when, when I was at Adcom, GMAC treated me very well. So I would never, never not be a huge supporter, but they must be, um, in a little bit of turmoil, I think. Yeah, I agree. Um, the last one I've got is Stanford. Uh, some of these numbers just are always like kind of eye-opening. Eye they have 424 students versus 426. So again, class size stayed the same. The GPA went down ever so slightly to 3.76. <laughs> it was 3.78 last year. Uh, the GMAT score uh, also down a point to th 737. It used to be 738. <laughs> uh, GRE is a 327, just like Booth. Uh, they last year had a 331 average GRE. They've got 44% women, which is identical to the prior year. Um, they have 37% international. 
which it's weird. Last year it said 47%, but I think that they're using, they're counting differently this year in terms of permanent residents. So when I did the math to try to get it to be apples to apples, I think it's actually um, about 49% or so. So it's similar to the last year. And they have about 25% US underrepresented minorities amongst their American pop population. Their volume was down 16%. Um, they had 6,152 applications, whereas the year prior, they had 7,367 applications. So as you're saying, down across the board at these top schools in terms of application volume. And yeah, that's I guess it was to be expected, right? Yeah, but Stanford's so, so selective yeah. um, amongst the top schools. So they can weather an app downturn yeah. while still having ridiculously strong statistics. But I, I think you said it, and I've, I've, or, or I've read it, one of Kirsten's goals was try to reduce the average um, GMAT score on the fear that it was putting some folks off. So kudos to Kirsten. She dropped it by a point. <laughs> it came down ever so slightly. Yeah, that's it's tough. I mean, those numbers, when you see those numbers, yeah. it's really, it can be daunting. Um, but yeah. yeah, and I did want to mention, Quitman was in the Wall Street Journal uh, last week. There was an article about this stuff, about app volume being down, and they actually quoted me. So it was kind of nice to see our name in bright lights. Um, but yeah, it was all about this stuff and why, why is volume down and why are people maybe not applying and stuff. So yeah, you're, you're, you're getting quoted by Wall Street Journal and I got quoted by Poets and Quants. That's right. I saw that. that. Yeah. All in the same week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So let's get into our candidates. The last thing I wanted to mention though, is that we do have an event coming up on November 15th. Uh, it's a deferred enrollment event. So if you're a younger listener, who's maybe still in college thinking about an MBA, uh, this is for you. And we're going to sit down with representatives from Wharton, Columbia, MIT, uh, Darden, Tepper, Yale, Berkeley, and Chicago booth. You can go to bit.ly forward slash defer MBA and sign up um, for that. It'll just be a roundtable discussion. And again, if you're a younger listener who's thinking about applying to business school and deferring, uh, this is for you because these programs are really excellent. You apply as a senior when you're in college, you get in, you go and work for a couple of years and your slot is waiting for you at a top business school whenever you want to matriculate. I guess you can work anywhere from usually two to five years is, is how it's set up. So uh, yeah, I think that's about it. Obviously, if people want to write to us, they can write to info at clearadmit.com, use the subject line wiretaps. We did get a great email from a listener. Uh, Alex, I think I CC'd you on my reply, but it's always nice to get those emails from people who tune in. And this listener, I'm not going to say his name, but he he mentioned that he he's applying to business school because he was inspired by listening to the show. So that was kind of cool to see. Yeah, fantastic. And wish them the best of luck. Um, yeah. It sounded like they have a really interesting profile, quite honestly. Yeah, I agree. So we'll see how that all shapes <laughs> shapes up. Uh, should we get into our candidates? Let's kick on. All right. So this is uh, Wiretap's candidate number one. So this is an apply wire entry candidate wants to start school next fall in, in the fall of 23. They've got six schools on the target list and the schools are Columbia, Harvard, MIT, NYU, Chicago, and Wharton. They've been working in finance uh, and post MBA, they say they want to do investment banking or private equity. They're targeting Goldman, JP Morgan, Morgan Stanley, and they have a GMAT score of 750 a GPA of 4.0, and they've been working for three years. They're located in London, and they indicated as well, I guess you had asked them about extracurriculars, and they said they are involved in a few extra professional uh, initiatives at work, mostly around career development and mobility and learning and development, and they have significant past involvement at university too. 
So that's kind of the profile. Um, the one there is a little bit of a wild card in that this person's based in London. Um, I noticed from their post that they have an Indian name, so I'm kind of wondering if they've always been in London or, or kind of you know like went to school in the UK and were born there, or if they're you know immigrated at some point. So I, I bring that up only because I'm trying to discern whether they're going to be viewed as an overrepresented candidate or um, or just kind of a, hey, a European applying to American schools, which is usually quite you know appealing. So I wanted to get your take on that, Alex, and and just generally, what do you think of this candidacy? Yeah, I mean that that is an interesting question, right? Um, it, it, if this was a person applying from from London, um, a, a Brit, um, and and so on and so forth, um, there are fewer fewer of those folks applying um, to top tier programs than perhaps um, someone of Indian heritage um, that works in finance, um, even though that they've traveled around a little bit and uh, happen now to be in London. Mm -hmm. um, I'm, you know, the, the GPA is a 4.0, <laughs> so I'm presuming that translates to a first-class honors I think you're right. um, degree. They must have so studied in the it, UK, yeah. Right, so it makes me think that they were at least did their undergraduate in the UK too, which sort of steps them up a level, um, et cetera, yep. rather than coming over to London after their undergrad um, in India. Um, and obviously, they've got 750 GMAT too. I mean, they're, they're wicked smart, right? So we can get that term out there. That's going to be helpful yeah. um, for them. Um, they have, you know, they work in finance. We don't really know a lot about their, their work experience in finance, but let's assume that they've done very well um, through some kind of analyst program. They, I think they, they're right at three years now in terms of their, their work experience. So it's a little, you know, looking at that sort of potential um, to, to be a superstar or something like that. Mm -hmm. Fortunately, they've applied in round one. So one of the issues with if they are, whether they're in that overrepresented bucket or underrepresented, one of the key things that they need to, needed to have done, they have done because they are in that sort of early um, consideration, right? So they've applied to Harvard, um, Columbia, Wharton and Booth and Sloan. Mm -hmm. Um, which are all the sort of usual suspects for this type of profile. I'm a little bit concerned with Columbia because they didn't apply early decision. Sure, yeah. Um, I understand probably why they didn't apply early decision, but Columbia won't like that so much. Mm. Um, so, so that could be a bit of a challenge. And they'll apply to Stern in the, um, the upcoming October um, deadline. Um, so I assume that's um, um, potentially... Um, next week, um, it is actually. It's next Friday. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so, so that's good. Um, and um, yeah, overall, I think they're, they're probably very smart. Assuming they've done well at work, um, they're going to fit this sort of profile. I'd like to know a little bit more about who they are. Yeah. Um, what what their passions and interests might be outside of work, because that sort of enabling to show a little bit of being well-rounded too, rather than simply being very good at work um, and contributing at work too. So I'm not discounting that, that you know, in, the, in terms of career development and mobility, learning development. Um, but is there something about this candidate that's sort of, 
you know, do they, are, are they out running every day? Do they have a cooking interest? Um, do, are they helping with the homeless? Are they doing other stuff? Yeah. That would be good to know. Yeah, I agree. I mean, we don't have a lot of detail on their current career, uh, you know, whether I'm guessing they're not an investment banker just because that's one of their post MBA career possibilities. And so, you know, I don't know exactly what kind of work they're doing. It could be, I mean, I, I don't know, it could be even audit or something. I don't know, but they say finance. So that's a broad umbrella though. But I, yeah, I, I yeah. kind of, the thing for me is that obviously they have like perfect numbers. They probably went to a good school in the UK. I, I think there are a lot of feathers in their cap, you know, but I, yeah. I do, when I look at schools like Harvard or even, you know, Wharton and MIT, I mean, all these top schools, like you say, they, they're going to want to know who the person is, like what, what else makes them interesting. And so hopefully they have some things that help them stand out in some way. It'd be nice if, yeah, to know more about like, why do they want to do banking or private equity? Is there some angle to all this or some passion? Because I worry, you know, you see plenty of candidates. I saw, you know, when we saw the HBS uh, decisions come out, it's always interesting to me to see the stats on the people who don't make the cut. And so, you know, sure enough, you have some people with bad numbers or whatever, but you also have a lot of people who are like, you know, 740, uh, you know, three, six, and they get rejected, you know? So you always wonder like what's driving that. And it's usually this other stuff, right? you got to have these extras. So I, you know, it sounds like they're somewhat active at work extra professionally. Like they do some initiatives, like you said, but yeah, I just wonder, like you said, what is, are there other things, you know, are they going out yeah. for a run? Yeah. I mean, I'd be interested to know what they did in college because they said they were active, involved in yeah. um, outside activities in college. And, you know, in some roles in finance, you, you're working ridiculous hours. Exactly. Right? And so the schools know that. I can see. Yeah. So we could see why that might be limited. But but yeah, what they were doing in college probably will be quite indicative, too. And I just want to say, like, I recognize that, um, I, you know, we, we just try to be brutally honest on this show. And so I recognize that, you know, this person may well be born in the UK, right? I mean, there are plenty of yeah. people of Indian heritage. I mean, of all, all kinds of heritage born, born in the UK and born in the US and stuff. So I don't want to be, I mean, we're not trying to call people out or anything. I just, I'm trying to be really, um, to, to, you know, just keep my admissions cap on and, and share how the admissions officer kind of looks at this stuff. So, um, I don't want to yeah try to like pigeonhole someone, but I just thought it was interesting to think about like, when did this person come to the UK or were they born there? Cause that will make a difference ultimately, I think. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. Yeah. So anyway, I want to wish them the best of luck. Hopefully by now, by the time they're hearing this, maybe they've got an interview invitation at Harvard and you know, we'll be getting, I don't know when Wharton's going to issue theirs, but it'll probably be in a couple of weeks here. Right. So yes, yeah, towards the end of October. Yeah. So yeah. we'll, you know, wish them the best of luck as they travel through this process. And yeah, thanks to, you know, for the post and everything. And hopefully they'll uh, keep us abreast of anything that goes on. Um, other than that, anything else on that one? Let's, let's move on. All right. So this is Wiretaps candidate number two. So we've got another apply wire entry uh, that you picked, Alex. And this candidate also wants to start school next fall. They've got only four schools on the target list, and they are Columbia, Harvard, LBS, and MIT Sloan. They've been working in strategy and in, I guess, operations management. They want to get into tech. Uh, they're not listing any companies, but I believe, because they have some sort of entrepreneurial goals and they indicate ed tech as maybe a kind of um, area that they want to get into. They have a GMAT score of 750 and their GPA is a 3.25. They've been working for five years and they mention that they're currently at a tech company and they don't tell us which one, but they say it's either Airbnb, Uber, or DoorDash, and they work on strategy. Uh, they're focused around a new product. They've got multiple direct reports, and 
They also have done a whole bunch of extensive kind of volunteering uh, around education-based initiatives. They uh, started a very small kind of local nonprofit that does education-related stuff in homeless shelters. And they would love to get into ed tech post-MBA and start their own company in the longer term. They're particularly interested in the entrepreneurial aspects of like the, the kind of entrepreneurial learning opportunities in business school, mentorship, you know, kind of mentorship, uh, resources, et cetera, with respect to their long-term goal. They also note that they don't want to go to any West Coast schools. I guess they lived out on the West Coast and they say they will not go back. <laughs> so um, that's kind of a, a, a stern <laughs> statement there. Um, but in any event, so you had some dialogue with them, Alex, and, and talked even some additional schools maybe. But what, what's your take on this candidacy? Yeah, I mean, quite honestly, I think there's a lot to like with this candidacy. They did apply last year um, to some schools okay. and they're a reapplicant to um, Columbia, for example. Um, so, so you know, it seems like they've sort of improved at work um, um, since 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 they they were rejected without an interview actually last year. Um, they improved their GMAT score just a little bit, but at least it shows you know that they've made the effort to improve. But 740 to 750, that 740 was still above their average. Yeah. So, not not sure why that that was anything to do with why they didn't get the um, interview nod. Obviously, their GPA. At three twenty-five is, uh, is 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 probably the weakest area of their candidacy. They can't do anything about it. Um, you know, I, we don't know. I don't think we know what the transcript is, where the issues might have been. Um, but they said they were a little bit too active in their undergrad. There's no real context, uh, you know, that they can provide mm -hmm. that sort of helps mitigate that. But a seven fifty GMAT's pretty good to, yeah, that's probably, to mitigate yeah. that. I think. <laughs> Um, so, um, so I like their work experience. They, they've got direct reports. They, it looks like they're doing very well. Um, so, um, and, and I also really like their nonprofit experience. Um, mm -hmm. that's really good. Um, and I think, you know, their nonprofit experience is, you know, providing education to homeless shelters and, 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 and stuff that, that, that's, well, to folks in those homeless shelters, I, I presume. Um, I think that's very noble too, but it also ties a little bit to their long-term goals, right, in ed tech and yeah. so forth. So there's a lot of um, congruence um, throughout this um, profile. They've already applied um, to, to several schools, um, so, so, so that's good. Um, I really encourage them to put throw, throw their hat, hat in the ring at Wharton. Um, they're, they're, they want to be in a big city, they want to be able to take advantage of maybe some internships during the semesters, Graham, to sort of help from a, a you know a development standpoint, um, and that's why Wharton wasn't originally included in the mix. Um, but I think you can talk to that, right, Graham? Because you, I mean, I don't, I don't know if you were pursuing entrepreneurship at Wharton. You ended up being an entrepreneur coming out of Wharton. You worked at the Small Business Development Centre and did some stuff there related to entrepreneurship. And we've always said, um, if you want entrepreneurship, your best route is to get into the very best program you can target. Um, because by that very nature, you've got the great resources, you've got the great networks, which are fundamental to entrepreneurs, and so on and so forth. So anyway, over to you, Graham. Yeah, I think it's funny. They said, and you know, you mentioned Wharton to them, and they said, I'm not sure I want to live in Philly, which we hear a lot from people. I mean, less these days than we used to in the 
back in the because um, Philadelphia's undergone a bit of a renaissance, you know. But but I still think uh, I had great entrepreneur. I was studying. I've actually studied entrepreneurial management at Wharton, and I took advantage of a lot of those kind of um, in semester opportunities. You know, I worked at the Small Business Development Center, which is run by Penn, but you know, it's kind of a work study thing where you get to help small kind of startups and things and local businesses too. So that was really interesting. And I know Wharton's been pouring a lot of money into their innovation center and it, it is a really good place for entrepreneurship. And as you point out, it's got such a great network too, that ultimately when you go to raise money or whatever you're going to be doing, pitching your idea, or if you want to get into VC someday, it's a not, it's not a bad network to be a part of. So I would encourage them to think about Wharton I understand they want to be in a city. I understand they don't want to be on the West Coast for personal reasons. They just don't seem to like the West Coast. So, I, I mean, I think they have a good list of schools. I I do wonder, I mean, how, you know, they applied last year, Columbia ED with a 740 GMAT, four years of work experience. The GPA is a little low, like below average, but it's not like it's a sub three type GPA. And so I'm, I'm kind of puzzled as to how they didn't get in, uh, given that they, sounds like they have some good work experience, but you know, could be that now they've got people reporting to them and they've kind of upped their game leadership wise. So I, I like their chances this year. And I like that they're casting a slightly wider net. I think LBS is a nice school to have on their list too. And, and MIT as well. I mean, those are both schools with good entrepreneurial opportunities and they're in good cities for entrepreneurship too. So yeah, I'm hoping that they, you know, get some good news. I guess they applied right in the first round here. So yeah. We'll, I don't know if they got an interview and, at Harvard yet. <laughs> yeah, and, and I agree with you. I'm a big fan of theirs in terms of I th I, I think there's a lot to like here, uh, despite the the, the GPA. Yeah. But I'm going to throw a question back to you, Graham. If they blank out um, round one early decision, they're only targeting M7 programs plus LBS, um, so they have to come back with a round two strategy. Um, where are you going to advise them to, to look? Aside from Wharton, which I'd still throw Wharton in there, even though um, they might be a bit um, disillusioned if, if yeah. they do blank out. But um, where would you yeah. um, propose that they, they, they look? It's tricky. I mean, I'm not 100% convinced that they have to be working during the semester and doing these kind of right. internships. Like you could, you know, they could be incubating an idea or getting mentorship from professors on writing a business plan and, and starting to think, you know, about what they want to do with their entrepreneurial ideas. And so, you know, you could do that at a Tuck or at Yale or, you know, places that maybe aren't in giant cities with tons of, you know, companies to go work for or something. So, because frankly, if you look at the urban options, there aren't that many unless, I mean, obviously if they wanted to go to the West coast, you, you know, you would say Haas, you would, you know, there are other schools out there. Right. But I just, yeah, it's tricky, you know, because the, certainly yeah. the, the Cornell's, the Yale's, Dartmouth, these are great programs and they could get a lot of mentorship and, and help with, you know, particularly you think about Cornell and their tech MBA in Manhattan, like there's some potential opportunities, but yeah, we'll see what happens in the first round. I mean, they are applying to NYU. That would have been another one, right. To, to mention yeah. they are applying there. So yeah, yeah, we'll see. Yeah. But those are that. That would be my. I would say abandon these. The idea that it has to be an urban and just go for the like we were saying, go to the best school that you can get into. Yeah, yeah, that would be my. Yeah, absolutely perfect. All right, excellent. So let's move on. I want to thank them for their posts and wish them the best of luck. But let's move on and talk about Wiretaps candidate number three. We've got to be quick on this one, Graham. I know. <laughs> so this is an apply wire entry that you selected. Uh, they want to start either next year or potentially the year after. In fact, they came to us saying they want to start in 24. 
They've got Columbia, Harvard, INSEAD, LBS, and Chicago on their target list. This person is a lawyer. They're a corporate lawyer in India. They've worked for more than eight years, and about three-fourths of that work has been with big-time international clients like Amazon, Ikea, etc. cetera. Uh, they want to pivot, you know, get an MBA and get into consulting and ultimately entrepreneurship. They're very keen to go work at Bain or McKinsey in the near term, post-MBA. GMAT score is 740. GPA 3.6. Again, as I mentioned, they have eight plus years of work experience. They're located in India and they would love to land in either New York, London, or maybe uh, New Delhi after business school. Uh, I'll leave it there. I mean, this is an interesting candidate, you know, Alex, because they're older, because they've got eight, eight years of experience. They're Indian and they're a lawyer. And with each of those <laughs> three kind of buckets come some potential liabilities or things to keep in mind as you apply. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, quite honestly, I think this person's got really interesting experience. And now they're currently an independent legal counsel advising companies in new age areas such as blockchain, fintech, health tech, etc. So they set up their own company. Yeah. Um, they'll, they'll have been doing that for a year this season if they apply next season, which it's looking like they're targeting. They'll have two years of that work under their belt. Their work just looks absolutely super interesting. Um, and yeah, so the key here is they'd be better off applying in the first round. They obviously didn't apply in the first round this, this season. Um, so, and they are targeting next season. They want to get all their, um, you know, ducks in a row and target next season. So apply early round, early decision. That's what they need to do. Um, they, they're targeting up just top schools. They might want to add one or two in the tier below. Um, but I think they're, they're absolutely attractive for the very best schools. They're, they're, one thing that they're going to have to really focus on is the idea of fit and really expressing um, why now um, um, for the MBA. Because, again, they're, they're the sort of longer end of that work experience sure. spectrum. Um, so as long as they can do that, and it's very doable, um, then they apply um, early next season. Um, yeah, I think... They're, they're, they're potentially a really, really um, strong candidate, Graham. Yeah, I'm going to throw a curveball and say that I think they should apply to INSEAD now to start next September. Um, I think that INSEAD might find them to be particularly appealing. I mean, their numbers are great for INSEAD. They're a bit older, but INSEAD candidates are often a little bit older than the U.S. kind of candidates. The program at INSEAD is short. And it's also, I mean, it's the school that sends the most people into, you know, consulting. I mean, it's kind of, the joke is that it's a bit of a consulting factory, you know, especially with Bain and, and BCG and McKinsey. So part of me is like, why wait another year if they could potentially get it together and, and apply to INSEAD? I don't know. That, that's just something that jumped out at me right away. But I, I do think, you know, sure, if they want to wait and apply to all these schools, it's just that they're going to be a year older. And, you know, there always are these concerns with older candidates and their kind of academic chops, although... The 740 GMAT may help settle some of that. And then with lawyers, you have some of those similar concerns about can they do the math um, for an MBA program. And so I worry about those two things kind of working together to compound things. And, you know, further on, they're they're Indian. And so they're going to be overrepresented, even though their work experience is really different from the average like Indian IT person or something. Right. So yeah, there's a lot of potential here. I mean, I I think um if, for, if it were me, I would like take a flyer on some of these. And, and the reason I mentioned INSEAD as well was because, and I, you could put LBS in this bucket, but LBS is more of a two-year program. But I mentioned it because they seem like they want to live internationally. They mentioned New York, London, New Delhi. 
And so it's possible that INSEAD or LBS could give them a lot of flexibility in that regard. Of course, so could Harvard, right? So um, yeah, I just, it's a tricky one because they're a little bit older and they didn't apply in the first round this year. Yeah, I mean, the only pushback I'd say on that is if, if New York is their favored destination, then LBS and INSEAD probably would be less right um yeah provide less access to new york city than than the u.s based programs Agreed. not no access but just it's going to be a little bit more legwork to make that leap um i think but i no, i think your 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 thought thought of insead is is a really good thought and, and also and i think you mentioned this european programs tend to um have a slightly higher average age um mm-hmm. so they'll fit fit a little bit more um, there, I'm assuming they have very strong sort of analytical skills, um, yeah. despite being a lawyer. Yep. Um, I don't think you can get away with advising people on blockchain if you can't add up. Um, I'm <laughs> yeah. still trying to figure out all that stuff. But but joking aside, the, I do think there's a lot to like here. Um, and yeah, I wish them the best of luck. But that fit issue will be the most important. Fit with respect to they're a lawyer. Fit with respect to they've, you know, there'll be nine plus years of experience by the time they're applying. Yeah. And, and that, they can overcome it by just demonstrating, yeah. like you said, quantitative chops with respect to yeah. their work and also their desire to get involved in these campus communities. I mean, that's, yes. that's going to stand out. You know, they don't yeah. want to appear to be coming to get in, get the degree and get out. They want to be yeah. throwing themselves kind of headlong into the experience. Yeah, so. yeah. Anyway, yeah. I do want to thank them for that post. I know we're a little short on time here, but um, lots to like in that candidacy, and hopefully they'll keep us posted. Uh, Alex, thanks for uh, picking these out. As always, this has been kind of an interesting one because we had you know a lot of different angles to talk about from entrepreneurship and you know lawyers, and there's always something that comes up that I think hopefully gives candidates tuning in a little bit of some nuggets about admission strategy and stuff. But yeah, just lots going on, and I guess we'll we'll come back next week and do it all again if you're willing. <laughs> yeah, if nothing else, it makes for a longer show, Greg. We better <laughs> sign off. So best of luck, everyone. Take care.